Welcome to Transformed, the podcast where we explore how God is continuing to transform us each and every day. We believe transformation to be a dynamic and ever-present work that is offered to all of us. In his letter to the Roman church, Paul tells them, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So would we today open our minds to the possibilities that God envisions for us, our communities, and our world. Welcome to Transform. Hey, Stu, how's it going? Good morning. Good morning. I'm well, Ryan. Yeah, How are you? I am doing pretty well. It's a nice day this morning, and we got our lawn cleaned up last night. We had a lot of old debris. We're renovating a house right now, and so the old deck has been sitting off to the side of the new deck, and mm-hmm. we cleaned up the pile last night, and I just stood out on the... On, we just finished our new deck, and I stood out there, and I thought, yeah, we like have a yard now, which is kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's still pretty uh, in pretty poor shape. Like, there's lots of splotches of white and, like, grass that needs to be regrown and those sorts of things, but, yeah. Starting to look like a backyard. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a little daunting in that I remembered, you know, I've rented all my life, and now, like, there, we found some, there was some, like, leak in the faucet, and I, I my first thought was, like, oh, I'll get somebody to fix that. Like, no, I have to fix that now. <laughs> that's, like, that's my problem now. And I just, I know, I say that to homeowners like yourself, and you're, like, oh, it's par for the course. That's how it works, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's always something to fix. Uh-huh. Always yeah. something to fix. Yeah. 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 Just pray for me. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, excited to talk through the text. This will be, uh, we, we've really been enjoying walking through the text each and every week as a way to prepare not just those listening, but prepare ourselves for Sunday and the preaching of the Word. We're mm-hmm. thinking this summer, um, in the next week, we'll be transitioning kind of the format of this podcast and um, taking an opportunity to... Um, hear stories of others in our community and both our congregation and, and those connected to us in other ways. So we're going to have some interviews with some folks. We've got a really great one scheduled for next week that I'm excited about. And then uh, for the next few weeks after that, we'll see how long it goes. Maybe yeah. people are tired of hearing us and just want to hear other people, which... Well, I'm pretty sure people are tired yeah. of hearing us. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, no, I, I just want to plug that, uh, hearing some of the testimonies uh, of some of the people in the church could be just absolutely, yeah. like even just the interview we just done uh, just recently. I won't say who it is so that people can <laughs> tune in next week. Yeah, but over the coming months, uh, I think it's going to be exciting just to hear how God is yeah. at work in our church and in and, and, and individual lives and the lives of families. And uh, so, um, yeah, we encourage those uh, who are listening to share the podcast with others, yeah. uh, especially as we kind of launch this uh, this this mm-hmm. new interview format uh, over the next few months. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the text. I'm excited this week. Um, we get the privilege of hearing Pastor Anne. She's sharing the word this week, and yes. just always just so moved um, by her wisdom and like what she offers to the text. I, I think. One of the things Skyview has taught me is the immense need that we have for one another in mm-hmm. our differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Anne and I are very different people, right? And it's really easy for me, and it, and I think people my age are more prone to do this than people her age. But people my age are, can often be really pompous about our own expertise and what we bring to the table and our own perspectives. Like I have very unique perspectives that are different than other generations. 
or my generation has unique perspectives as our approach to scripture and life. And it's, Anne has taught me, I just think the value of dialogue and community and, and in the midst of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah, I just always appreciate that. Even this week in staff meeting, as we were walking through the text, like what she brought to the table, her own humility to the act of preaching. Um, it just, I don't know, it reminds me of things that I don't hear often enough. Yeah, and, and it gives opportunity perhaps to even just talk <clears throat> a little bit about um, how that at Skyview, when we talk about being an intergenerational church, we're not just talking about youth and yeah. children. We're talking about every age yeah. group, and we're talking about kind of the way in which we um, we fit together, the way in which we complement yeah. each other, the way in which we need one another. Mm. And um, it's it's an amazing thing when a church starts to believe that we need each other, and um, mm. then we then we can actually become open to learning from uh, voices and people that we perhaps don't necessarily think we would or need yeah. to. And so this coming Sunday is exciting. Like, um, well, for one, uh, Anne's always a lot more concise than me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but second, there's always um, a, a deep love of Christ that comes through her preaching and, and a real attentiveness to how God is leading yeah. her. And she just, she just um, embodies in many ways um, a person that has lived and walked with the Lord for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so just, yeah, super encouraged and excited for uh for our people to hear her this time. yeah i agree well i always put you on the spot to read the text and mm-hmm. so it's an audible would you like i could read the text this week maybe so sure. you always complain that i ask you all the tough questions so i thought maybe i'd offer something more no, to the no, podcast great. today right. Right. Uh, but yeah let me read our text for us from matthew chapter 9 we started a new series um and maybe maybe just kind of briefly introduce that we're over over the summer we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew and mm-hmm. you introed that this last week so mm-hmm. real concise what is this series all about yeah the series really is focused on um, what it means for us as a people to live with the um, the promise that Christ made that I am with you yeah and um, a lot of our life we live almost ignorant of the fact that that promise is actually true. Hmm. And there's a difference in how we see the world, ourselves, and others when we believe that God is present yeah. and active, not only in us, not only through us, but also in, in others and in our communities, in our workplaces. And so the series over the summer is intended to ground us again in a faith that believes in Emmanuel, yeah. that Christ is with us. Hmm. And when we believe that, I think we live optimistically, we live more hopeful. And even when we go through the valleys and the really deep yeah. and dark things, like some of our folks are dealing with in this very moment, the assurance of God's presence even there uh, is such an important part of who yeah. we are and what we believe. So, yeah. yeah. So this week, Lectionary Text gives us two different stories mm-hmm. um, of two different people that assuredly are in dark places, uh, in need of something that maybe they can't quite name, but nonetheless, Christ meets them. So let's read from Matthew to chapter 9, um, beginning in verse 9 through 13, and then um, we skip down to verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were sitting with him, and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why, do your, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, Suddenly, a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly, a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch the cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, from the, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But the crowd had been put outside. He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think this <laughs> lectionary is always interesting, just kind of off the top of the conversation. In the often people are confused why it like skips parts of scripture as if, you know, maybe I think a common critique is like, oh, we're trying to omit different senses of scripture. But what I think the lectionary is trying to heighten our awareness to is that scripture is structured intentionally. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we miss that when we read through, like, I don't know about you, sometimes when I read, and especially if I was like reading for school, I would read a page and then like notice all of a sudden I was six pages later, but have no recollection of what I read because I'm reading, but not comprehending. Right. And sometimes this, this approach is easy in the reading of scripture as well. We can read through a verse or a passage and like, oh, I'll just keep reading. And we just kind of hit the high notes, but not pay attention to how they are relating to one another. Mm-hmm. And so one of the important things found in this, there is, you know, in verse 14 uh, through 17, uh, Jesus says a discourse about fasting. But it's interesting that verse 18 has a specific note in the calling of Matthew. Right after this happens, Matthew wants us to know that while he was saying these things, like while he was talking about fasting, but also while he was calling Matthew... This healing is happening. Mm-hmm. And so the way that the lectionary sets this up is simply to heighten our awareness to know that these things happened on top of one another and aren't separate events and therefore have something to say to one another. Right. That the calling of Matthew is powerful, mm-hmm. and the healing of this woman and the daughter are also powerful, but they actually inform each other too, um, that we'll talk about a little bit today. But mm-hmm. that's just my first my first sense. So as you read through this text, what are you know initial things that stick out to you? Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I think um, you know the two selections, uh, although separated by four or so verses, um, are connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is happening, and as Matthew tells us, kind of as a part of the same moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is calling a tax collector that. Uh, that uh, was despised for uh, for various reasons by Jews themselves. Yeah. One, he's aligned with the who Jews would consider to be the um, 
the oppressive uh, Roman, yeah. uh, you know, uh, empire. And on the other hand, um, tax collectors were notoriously known to also uh, intermingle with Gentiles yeah. in their dealings. And besides that, they also probably took more money from the people yeah. uh, than, than they should. So they were not a, a people loved at all uh, and respected at all, mm -hmm. and probably not even really loved or respected by Rome themselves. <laughs> yeah. Itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they so were they pawns are, in a machine. Yeah. yeah, they were, but they also kind of um, were viewed with suspicion and critique, and, and, and rightly so. And so the fact that Jesus calls them, you know, and, and a lot of our people listening to, to, to this would probably know these stories. But I think it really is important when it comes to scripture to recognize that we do ourselves, uh, you know, we help ourselves a lot when we just kind of pause to think about how significant even that reality is, that Jesus would call someone like that. If he was yeah. going to build a following, don't build it with people who already have a bad reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're going to start a kingdom movement, this is probably not the person you go for. Yeah, you want the dream team. Yeah. This is not them. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that says something about, I think, who Christ is and, and how he sees or what he sees. And then, of course, um, as I think, as, as the story unfolds, he ends up sitting with them at, at dinner. And, uh, you know, um, mm. some folks would know this, uh, uh, that Pharisees, for example, tied dinner fellowship very much into also uh, the way in which they thought about um, the future restoration of, of, of Israel. Uh, the purity of the table meant that they didn't eat yeah. with Gentiles and they didn't eat what Gentiles ate. The fact that they kind of look at Jesus this way and says, well, if you have anything to do with the restoration of Israel, what you're doing right now is contrary to yeah. it. The fact that you would call someone like him and the fact that you would eat with someone like yeah. him discounts you completely in our perspective from uh, any anticipation that you have a role to play in mm. the restoration of Israel. Mm. So in a very in a very short little bit there that can easily just be kind of looked at as, oh, well, you know, they just yeah. don't like the fact that Jesus is doing the tax collector. They're actually, they're actually interpreting Jesus' actions as having implications for who he can be. Yeah. And Jesus will reveal himself as something that is much more than they anticipate and challenges their own expectations. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, we talked about this text on Friday night, a youth group, and talked about the importance of of seeing people based on the things that they do, not just the things that they say. Right. And we so we're we're so like auditory in our in our trust that we we hear somebody politicians say things, they promise things, and oh, they must do that. And then time and time again, like the critique of people in public office as well. They didn't do what they said. Right. And so we know this deep down that the things people do speak louder than the things that they say. And what's interesting about this story is that Jesus, before the dinner, says two words. Mm -hmm. But what he does seems to do something way more powerful. And so in this, in this table, like not only is he inviting Matthew to dinner, and Matthew almost... or. Matthew almost like presupposes that we would know that's of course what Jesus would do. He doesn't say like, and Jesus invited him for dinner. It's just got up, followed him. And as they sat for dinner, mm -hmm. as if that's what happens when you begin to follow somebody, you enter into a relationship, you share a meal with them. But then what I found was, we talked about this on Friday as well. What I found more powerful is that Matthew is called, but in the calling of Matthew, it 
impacts the community around him. Mm -hmm. It says that, and tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And I have to wonder in that moment, like, what do the disciples think? Are they getting increasingly uncomfortable? Like, as somebody walks in the door and they're like, oh, like, I said something bad about that person the other day. <laughs> and, or I hate that person that mm -hmm. just walked in. And more and more mm -hmm. tax collectors come in the door. Mm -hmm. And just the simple fact that I think Jesus, the way Jesus lives his life doesn't just impact the people he speaks to, but witnesses to something that is magnetic. Right. And so the question I asked, and I'm still asking myself, is do I live in a way that is magnetic to not just the people I'm interacting with, but the people that are observing me interacting? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know yeah. if I always live that way. But yeah. Yeah. Then maybe you think about, um, let's take this second part of the story, so the two healing stories, mm -hmm. um, just on its own, maybe what sticks out to you, and then we'll, we'll pull out and talk about maybe the stories in tandem with one another. Yeah, if we can make this kind of connection, I would say, you know, the way that the second story begins while he was saying these things to them, as you alluded to earlier. So it seems that what Jesus was teaching, or at least coming out of the encounter with Matthew, now kind of over, kind of, you know, spills over into, into the reality of what's happening before him. A leader came and knelt before him, yeah. you know. And, and again, this is, uh, you know, when somebody kneels before Jesus, it doesn't always mean they understand him to be God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, uh, and so here, yeah, you kind of get the sense in which, they, you know, a leader kneels before him and cries out on behalf of the daughter uh, to come and lay his hands on her uh, <clears throat> so that she will live. And um, I, I think that here we are seeing what Jesus has said, you know, I, I, you know uh, using the physician motif. You know, using the fact that healing and healers are where healing is needed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that kind of idea. That whatever perspective you have of me, or, and, and hence then of God and his restoration plan, is now being, is now being shown to you in a way that you don't anticipate. Yeah. You think that the kingdom comes through uh, your purity laws and abstaining from Here's how the kingdom breaks in. This yeah. is how this is how Israel and the world gets restored mm. by a God who comes and touches what you have considered to be unclean mm. to heal that which is broken. And the church that kind of thinks the way that Jesus thinks um, will probably upset some people who would like to uh, like to keep the church unstained, yeah, and um, unpolluted, yeah. Um, Jesus here categorically shifts any perspective of his ministry from one of purity defined by a withdrawal yeah. uh, or exclusion to one of engagement, a touch, and restoration and yeah. healing. So. Yeah, two huge taboos in this text mm -hmm. that are easy for us in our modern world to, to overlook, but the fact that Jesus allows himself to be touched by this woman who is bleeding, like strike number one and two and three right there, um, and then engages with her and she leaves healed. But then the second one is he goes into the room with this girl who is dead and takes her by the hand. Mm -hmm. Like he touches a dead body, which is again, strike one, two and three. Yeah. And you notice that he, he goes in and it seems that the crowd is, I mean, it says the crowd is outside. So no one else dares to go in there and just heightens 
I think even more what you're saying, that what Jesus is doing is not that which anybody else does. Um, Mm -hmm. And so invites people from a space where they currently are to a new place. And Mm -hmm. I do think, yeah, I mean, we... when we think about the work of the church, we do want to keep it clean. We want to keep it organized. Um, that I was listening to, we were both listening to a podcast recently talking about the, the direction of grace and that we, we want to keep it clean and neat. So people's own faith journeys are repentance and then growth, 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 and then you're done. Mm -hmm. But often those stories are marked by kind of an ebb and flow. There's like, there's a messiness to relationship um, that is just reality and, and it's harder. It's harder because we can't, we can't create a system of church that is kind of a machine that just puts people in and then outputs all the same kinds of people. And this story, just before we, we like kind of back up is just one more thought is that the kinds of people that Jesus works with are all very different. Um, yet they all seem to then, respond with this faith to believe that something outside of themselves is possible. Mm-hmm. And just a good reminder for me that, you know, even as I think about youth ministry, it'd be easier if all the same kinds of kids walked in the door. Mm-hmm. Just to be honest, it'd be easier if all the families looked the same, all the kids had the same hopes and desires and disciplines and practices, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a really good thing. Um, it's good not only because it invites us to think bigger than ourselves, but it also reminds me that God's grace is bigger than any one of us, any one of our stories, any one person's baggage, um, that the same Jesus who calls a tax collector is the one who heals a woman who has been ostracized and takes a, a dead girl's hand and raises her from the dead. Like, mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, talk about a, a heck of a resume of Jesus that, mm-hmm. you know, he could do more than one thing, but he does all these different sorts of things. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe frame for us then, what do you think of these texts, how do they inform one another? Um, how can we think more intentionally about um, how Scripture interprets Scripture in some ways, like it speaks to itself? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to kind of consider who Jesus is addressing here, and he's certainly speaking to... Uh, you know, those who are, um, um, you know, the, the, the religious leaders of the Jewish people, the Pharisees. He is mm-hmm. speaking to people who, uh, by all accounts, um, have a particular perspective of what God's plan for Israel is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really important starting point to any interpretive hermeneutic for or inter- interpretive lens let's put it that way yeah for this particular text right so so jesus is speaking to these religious people and i actually think that he is trying to help them see what they're not seeing hmm. so the fact is that when he says go and learn what this means i desire mercy not sacrifice he's quoting hosea 6 and you know he's mm-hmm. talking about how the prophet addressed the sin of a particular group of people <laughs> Um, he's is drawing them in not only kind of to a, a reality that they are yet to understand, but he's also then is incarnating for them 
what that looks like, mm. right? The calling of Matthew is one in which Jesus is saying to them, you have excluded in your mind certain people from being a part of this thing, new thing that God will do, but I'm showing you that God actually comes to that people. And then I think the same thing happens here with the daughter that is raised to life with the woman who touches his cloak. I think Jesus is subverting poor understandings of holiness. Yeah. He's subverting uh, poor understandings or exclusive understandings of God's redemptive grace and his power. I mean, think of it, you know, there's a couple of things that just strike me as interesting in the story. In verse 19, and Jesus got up and followed him. We talk a lot about us following Jesus, which, you know, Jesus says to Matthew, follow me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've noticed this too, you know, Jesus gets up and follows the man who said, hey, come and heal my daughter. That's interesting. This idea of how Jesus is defining but then incarnating yeah what it looks like to follow huh you know jesus is not just saying follow me he does what we are supposed to do yeah and then the other uh, the, uh, the 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 other part that that kind of strikes me here as well is um you know uh, when jesus came to lead his house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion there's professional mourners right like yeah. so so they have already determined this is the reality that they're dealing with and not anticipating of course what jesus would do and jesus says go away you know this yeah <laughs> this very strong way of just even subverting what they had already determined is the reality what you have spoken as dead yeah. i say it's not done yet yeah yeah hmm. and and i think in our world today there's a lot of flute players hmm. there's a lot of uh the church oftentimes does this yeah we uh, we we have a death march going on. Hmm. Uh, we don't believe resurrection is true. Yeah. We don't believe that hope can be existent where we have been confronted wow. with the ugliness and the darkness of death. And Jesus is doing something profound here. He's he's is actually giving them a foretaste of that which God will do in him. Yeah. But he's also giving us the reality of that which will happen through his kingdom hmm. for all who put their faith and trust in God. So this story to me, like even as I'm talking right here with you, I'm just like, oh, why am I not preaching on this <laughs> Sunday? Uh, yeah. Because it's just laden with such depth of yeah. understanding and meaning if one gives thought to, to, to really what's going on here. Yeah. Hmm. I can't, yeah, I can't escape that. I don't make a good book title, Professional Flute Players. Yeah. <laughs> what are... What are the things that we've pronounced dead, um, yeah. perhaps prematurely? Yeah, there there are assuredly things that probably need to be pronounced dead. Like we talk about yeah. this all the time, that sometimes we just need to learn to let things die. Um, there's certain practices and habits and thoughts that um, holding on to them sometimes keeps us tethered to an old memory. Yeah. Says, well, if we could just get back to, you know, if we just had church bulletins, then like the church would be fixed, but. <laughs> We, we know that there's an importance in, in progress in that sense, but, it, but in another sense, we often pronounce places dead maybe because we, we fail to believe that anything good could come. Mm-hmm. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like mm-hmm. maybe they had pronounced that place dead. And yeah, and I, yeah I, just, I just wonder maybe for us as people, a part of a church, that as we look at our community... You know, we hear the news headlines. We hear the news in our own denomination, um, in our in our own church. Like, do we look at those and think, "Well, this is a good run"? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Jesus needs to come into these places and say, go away. Funeral's <laughs> not here yet. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a tension for sure, right? Like the, the reality that um, we live in a world in which we can see death. Um, yeah. And we do. We hear of it daily. We are confronted with it in our own uh, you know, experience of illness and the mortality of our own lives. However, with that said, I don't think I would use this text in a way to say to people, just get over it. Just, 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 you know, stop feeling poorly. Yeah. Or yeah. stop letting the reality of death, um, you know, uh, pretend it's not there. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I would, and I don't think we can use that text this way. But what I do think the text says to us is that there is that there is a work of God in Christ that has overcome <clears throat> death, and therefore we look at our world differently. We look at places that death has even kind of grasped and has a hold over as not having the final word. Yeah. And I think practically, I want to mourn with those who mourn. I want to weep with those who mean, yeah. weep, but never without hope of resurrection. Mm. Never without realizing that what seems final by all accounts is not final in Christ. Yeah. And that's the kind of hope we have. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. That's such a tension, I think. And, and maybe this is a good stopping point for us. We could talk about this text all day, mm-hmm. but just, just to recognize, even as you're talking, I'm just knowing that scripture is it's all about holding tensions. Mm-hmm. I think there are some that, you know, would rather us, would rather us believe that, um, the truth of scripture could be boiled down to like a sound bite or, you know, a sentence or a concrete thought. And there assuredly are, are, are foundational truths. Um, but the more I read scripture, the more I recognize, like it's calling me to wrestle with things, mm-hmm. um, that in some ways I feel like better prepares me to enter into hard relationships. When I come from a place of, well, this is, this is what scripture says and only this and nothing more. Then when I encounter people that don't fit that narrative, I don't know what to do with it. Um, and I have friends, we both have friends and colleagues who have adopted that, that frame of framework of thinking. And then when approached with new questions, don't know what to do with it and walk away Mm. and say, well, therefore all that I believed must not be true. And I think holding, learning to hold tensions is, is, is what sustains me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moments where I don't have answers to the questions. Mm-hmm. We're asking big new questions in culture, in church traditions, in, in all areas of our world, and I don't have the answers to all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when reading through Scripture like this, not just this text, but this way of reading, um, I think it encourages me to know that God will walk along the journey with me, that um, as I follow him, maybe two he'll follow me. <laughs> and like, there's something about this, this God that walks with us amidst these uncertainties that keeps me going. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amen to that. Yeah. Well, that's the only amen I'll probably get in a while, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it. Well, this is always good to, to talk through the text and think through those listening at home. Appreciate you um, checking in and, and we encourage you to continue to read scripture in this way. And if you ever have questions, always feel free to reach out to us and hope you have a great week. We'll see you soon.